Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Hello, hello, Sacred Icon Halo listeners. You are tuning in to the Sacred Icon Halo podcast, where we talk all things Halo, because we love Halo. We're back with episode 17, and join with me again, reunited, and it feels so good, is your host, Brian. Brian, man, welcome back. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, as you can tell from the episode title, we are going to be talking about Ford Unto Dawn today, not... Not the ship, but the the movie slash web series Halo Four, Ford Under Dawn. Josh and I watched this back when. It, Josh, did you watch this when it initially came out, or did you get to it? You got to it later, didn't you? Yeah, I got to it later. It was back when you had that big conversation with me, got me back into Halo, mm-hmm. talking to me about Halo Four. I, you got me in all the lore, and then you were like, "You can borrow it," and I was like, "Uh, yeah." I didn't know it was a thing. Okay, yeah. So you watched it like that would have been a couple of years. Twenty fourteen. A couple of years after Halo Four, I watched it mm-hmm. as it premiered, episode by episode, in the Halo Waypoint at the time. So much better than Halo Channel. Um, <laughs> I miss Halo Waypoint. Um, and uh, watched it. Watched it on there, episode by episode. So it's a, it's a web series that. For all of you who don't know, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you probably do. Web series produced by 343 um, that centers on the character Thomas Lasky, who was introduced in Halo 4, the video game. Um, well, he's introduced to you first here in this in this uh, movie, web series. This is supposed to be kind of like a tie-in to the game. And it first came out, they dropped it in episodes. I think the episodes are roughly, I don't know, 15 minutes a piece. That sounds right. Okay. Um, and then once all the episodes were completed, they ended up compiling it into a, a film. So Josh and I just rewatched it as the film version. Um, Josh, I'll toss it over to you. Um, so going going into this, guys, we're we're gonna judge this knowing that it is a small budget, under ten million dollar video game movie um, with heavy involvement from three four three. This wasn't a Hollywood picture with giant actors or anything like that so judging on that merit um i'll pass over to you first josh what did you think of halo 4 forward on to dawn okay one thing first okay i like i said guys uh i watched it in 2014 so i think two years after it had initially come out it was the first time i saw it and then i just watched it again today and dude it's a lot better than i remember it Mm -hmm. like i don't know if the first time i saw it 
I was as knowledgeable or knowledgeable as I am now about some of that stuff, but I think I was a lot more harsher on it back then. I didn't have the preconceived notions of like, oh, this is a web series and everything. I just, you literally had the Blu-ray. Yeah. And yeah, so to me, it was a, a genuine movie despite not being releasing in theaters and stuff. So yeah, it was a lot better than, uh, than I remember it being like, there was a part and I'll mention that at some point, uh, when I actually got a little bit teary eyed, it was emotional. So, but it was really, really very good, man. Very good. Like I, this makes me want to play Halo four. This made me want to go mm-hmm. watch nightfall when I, now I, I know we're going to focus more on Ford under dawn, but I will say that when I thought when I had that thought initially, I immediately thought, I immediately remember that I did not, uh, like the last two or three episodes of Nightfall, I just kind of tuned out. Like I had it on in the background. Mm-hmm. I was so, uh, I just wasn't stimulated by what the content in it. So I just kind of tuned it out. But uh, man, made me want to watch it again because this is just so cool. And you know what, dude? I got to say, uh, I, I've given flack in the past like before the podcast 2343 for not having like that sort of like bungee humor and everything like that but uh, dude i'm kind of realizing like that's wrong like i'm kind of kind of wrong about that to an extent because if you think about it back when halo 3 was ramping up all their promotional hype train they had like the a lot of the stuff they did on the side like the live action stuff that was very serious Like this very serious tone with the live action stuff, the Neil Blomkamp thing, and then even going further into like the ODST and Reach and stuff. Like all that live action stuff was like very serious, and that was under Bungie's banner. So when I watched this, that actually felt like a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, man, it kind of lined up with the live action trailers we're used to. This movie, yeah, it felt like exactly. it was set in the same cinematic universe, if you will. It did. Um, it did. Yeah, there's so there's so much to say about it, man. I guess and I'm, I'm, before we kind of get into systematically going through the movie, um, you know, getting the no, we mostly have like good things to say about it because we really were really enjoyed it. But for sure, I guess Josh, if you were gonna, I actually I didn't check. I, this might have been a good thing to do. If this was a rotten tomato, if this was on Rotten Tomatoes, what do you think is a fair score for it? You know what? Let's guess this and then let's check let's it out. Let's do it. I think we should do that. Okay. Okay, are we going uh, are we going for audience score or critic score? We're going for or? critic score. And and okay. correct me if I'm wrong, but Rotten Tomatoes is going to rank this as any typical movie. They're not going to give it yeah. cred because it's a I don't even know if it's on Crit- Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't know. Okay, well, let's see. Uh I would guess critic score would be I'm going to pick a random number. I'm going to say 43%. 43? I'm going to say 60. 60? 60. Okay. Hey, you want me to check real quick? Okay. Yeah, let's let's let's, let's see. see. It's I'm probably up. not even there, guys. We don't we have no idea. We're gonna check real quick. I don't know. This is this is cool. Mm, let's see. Rotten Tomatoes. I actually rated this on my letterbox, but Halo 4. Is it on there? Oh, it is. And no, it does not have a critic score at all. But we'll go with 60 because I like the idea of people enjoying it more. Yeah, right. Yeah. 43, okay, so, so well here now I've already seen it, but Josh, guess guess the audience score. We'll go off that because it does have an audience score. Does it I can't remember does that go with the same percentage? Like is it zero to hundred? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, um seventy six. Sixty seven, the opposite numbers. Oh, sixty seven. Interesting. It's got a sixty seven percent audio or audience score. Um yeah, no critic score. Yeah, I would say because so I gave it a sixty because for, for I'm going for I'm going off what critics would say it's low budget. You know, it, it doesn't have like you know the acting's not bad by any means, but it doesn't have acting that's going to uh, blow your socks off. Um, the pacing I could see someone criticizing. I'm not sure if I have an issue with that. 
Um, but I mean, the effects were pretty good. I mean, for the budget, I don't know. I just have mostly good things to say about it. Um, Josh, okay, let's start. Let's start with how it starts at the beginning. So the the movie has a very slow build up, which I like because I think that makes the last act so much better. Um, Same. Starts off with Thomas Lasky and his and the team of cadets are playing that training with the with capture the flag. And there's I don't remember his name. I probably could have written wrote this down there. The red haired guy that he kind of has a feud with. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, the red hair guy is uh, he's the leader of the squad in this training course at the beginning. And he gives uh, Lasky a command, and Lasky says, basically says, no, I, no, I'm not doing that. And then he runs out, and he gets shot. And uh, so in the training, he, he kind of his, his team loses because he doesn't obey commands. Yeah. Um, so then it goes to, and correct me if I'm missing something, but then it goes to like where they're all lined up and. Um, the lady who's in charge of them. What's I don't remember her name either. <laughs> the, the lady who's in charge of them. Uh, yeah. April Orensky. Okay, that sounds right. Um, she uh, is talking to them all, and then the commander guy shows up in a warthog, which the warthog looks very authentic, which is very cool. General Black. Yeah, General Black. <laughs> I totally looked up IMDb. <laughs> okay, there we go. Shout out to them. Um, what would this movie have been without a warthog? They got it. They had to have the warthog. So. Oh, dude, I think that moment, like. I totally think the moment the Warthog showed up was where I was like, Halo. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're in the Halo universe now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the Warthog shows up, and he kind of talks about how, I think he talked, I think General Black says they all would have died if they had, this is real, real, real or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So then they're, they're, they kind of go off running, doing their little left, right, left, you know, their little like training running and doing a rhyme or whatever. And, um, then it goes to and like we might be missing we might skip it something guys but I'm just going through what what I remember. Um, you see Lasky watching like a like a vlog from his brother who is an ODST, which is so cool. Very um, cool. His brother, we'll that guy was on an episode of The Office. Like I really? remember, yeah, it was I think it was season nine. So it was it might have been somewhere around season seven when Michael Scott was about like leaving. I can't remember, but he was on like one episode as like an intern. And I remember when I first watched Ford Unto Dawn and I saw him as an ODST, I was like, what are you doing, man? Mm-hmm. Like, you went from being an intern to now you're an orbital drop, <laughs> drop, uh, drop shock trooper. Yeah, that yeah. is hard to say fast. Wow. Uh, orbital drop shock trooper. But it kind of has that, uh, it gives you that typical story we're used to where you got the older brother who's like a good warrior everyone respects. And Thomas Lasky's not the same type of warrior, so he has to live in his brother's shadow. But... The nice thing is, it seems like he, you never get the vibe that Thomas Lasky has anything but love and affection for his brother. You don't get any. Absolutely. Like he's jealous or anything. But he listens to his brother talk about his latest ODST escapades. And um, so that kind of sets that up, that story thread up for us. Um, I think it's not too long after that you see Lasky come out of cryo. And you find out that he has like really bad like rashes and has trouble breathing. Because mm-hmm. and and of course we find out later because he has like some allergic reaction to like the fluid or whatever that's used for yeah. cryo sleep. Um, but basically, Thomas Lasky hates it there. It's kind of the vibe we get. Um, he's not good with cryo. He's he's he's, he's leading his team to failure. Um, what comes next, Josh? Do you remember? Because I'm, I'm immediately thinking of the lunchroom scene, but I think I'm skipping stuff. He talk. Oh, he talks to the leader, the chick who's the leader of uh, the Corbulo Academy. Oh, yeah. She's also Wilson Fisk's wife from Daredevil. 
That's her. Yep. Dude, I when I saw her, I was like, I know that face. I did, too. I the second I saw her, her, I went to IMDb. And before I made it to IMDb, I'm like, wait a minute. That's Wilson Fisk's wife. I thought of it. Oh, my goodness. Um, that's right. Yeah, so she's there. And you, she's there, and she talks to uh, Thomas about his mother and kind of makes it seem like uh, you know he she would want him to be doing better than he is. And he kind of makes it sound like she's never been around because of the war with the insurrectionists. Yeah, you definitely get a, get a vibe. At least I did throughout the whole movie. I mean, you might know something I don't because I know you know more about this stuff. But, like, definitely got the vibe that she kind of doted on him a bit. Like, maybe she, like, I I don't know if it was implied that she was, like, she worked with his mother or something. Mm-hmm. But, like, she definitely kind of uh, doted on him in terms of being a little bit more forgiving. And Yeah, she seemed like she had empathetic. a little side parental role. Kind yes, of. yes. Um, yeah, so I guess I'm trying to think. None, none of these actors are particularly... Big. We know her as from as Wilson Fisk's wife, but this was long before that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, the main, the love interest of Thomas Lasky, she's from the Chronicles of Narnia movies. You ever seen those? So pretty, yeah. So Dude, pretty. I gotta say this, man. Okay, and I, I'll tell you off air who said this because I don't want to say it on air. But okay, I have a friend that when we watched Forward Unto Dawn, he thought she was ugly, and I think she's. Oh, really? I think she's very, very pretty. And she's so pretty, man. He thought she was so ugly that when Thomas Lasky went in to kiss her, he was like, no, don't do it. She's ugly. No. <laughs> That's whack. While I'm watching, I'm like, dude, are you serious? Like, she is a pretty, and you know what? Does her character or personality not mean anything to you? Oh. Yeah, right? Like, even if even if you don't find her attractive, or even if you're, like, someone who, you know, finds Thomas Lasky attractive or doesn't or whatever, like, there's still two characters who obviously, like, have been through a lot together. You get the, you definitely get the sense throughout watching this that like, they're two people that are very close. Yeah, I, you know? I bought the relationship. I really did. Yeah, I did too. It was a good friendship, and it, and it just it kind of hints at like a, a mutual attraction, and then just as that happens, things go start to go south when we head into that third act of the movie. But um, yeah, so backing it up a little bit, um, and I'm going to be kind of jumping all over the place here. Wait, one point we get an early, the early they show us that. Um, the skinny dude, man, we really should wrote these names down. The skinny dude. Oh, which one? You talking about uh, Sullivan? Sullivan? Sullivan, yeah, his yeah. last name Sullivan. He is like cracking into uh, like an Oni database or something. Sullivan's a bad, bad boy, He's man. A bad boy. He's a bad boy. Um, he cracks into like an Oni ba- like uh, database or something, and he finds a video of which we eventually find out is a Spartan, but it's first person, and this mm-hmm. like uh, this first this guy in first person is fighting alongside insurrectionists. So this. The film takes place before they know about the covenant, and they're fighting the insurrectionists. So they're really they're shocked by why is the UNSC fighting alongside insurrectionists? And if they're fighting alongside the insurrectionists, who are they fighting against? So like all the kids are kind of huddled around the computer. They don't they don't get it. Um, I think I'm skipping ahead, but I'm just going to do it anyways. They eventually see the Spartan turns his head, and they see another Spartan next to him, and they're like, "What is that?" And then um, then it goes. It's to, a cool. M- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's a really cool moment because they don't know about you get the whole sense of build up like you're it's like a little subplot on the side right that we don't realize is gonna pretty much make up the third act so when it, when it gets to it it's like you're watching Sullivan slowly peek at the stuff and it's constantly just that first person's perspective and you see little bits of footage and then eventually we get to see that uh, Spartan you know you see the Spartan and then and then later on they even you see the uh, the elite in the sword and the uh, reflection of the visor and stuff like that. So, like, it's really... This film did such a good job of, like, setting up the entire third act. Mm-hmm. Like, you mentioned the pacing in the yeah. beginning. and It pays off dude, because I, of the... I completely agree with you because 
Yeah, it does. It does. All that is exposition that sets up the third act and gives you a reason to care when certain characters start dying or go through traumatic experiences. Right. Yeah, and it's just so neat that rather than, like rather than just play up, oh, the Covenant are unfamiliar to us. They're playing up the Spartans are unfamiliar to us. It's almost like they're yeah. alien, which is really cool. Right. Um, and I and like you know, I, it probably would have been tempting to make a movie where Master Chief is there from the opening to the end, but it probably wouldn't have been as good having this build up, having this mystery. Not to mention, I'm guessing they spent you know they had less than a, I heard it was close to ten million, but under ten million. Um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing the whole third act had to have been like a decent chunk of the 10 million. Yeah. You know? And I got to say, man, like it's cool for me as someone who just wasn't into uh, games as much around the 2012 period. So Halo 4 releasing, Halo 4 to the Dawn, anything that was just coming out around that time just blew over my head. So it's pretty cool to watch this. And I get nostalgic now because like seven years have passed. I get nostalgic now for that Halo 4 era. Yeah, I was thinking really the same part thing. Of. Yeah, it's 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 like nostalgic now. Enough time has passed, and like, it's interesting because it really fosters like a nice sense of understanding with these characters. Because like, by all intents and purposes, it was it, it's hard for any franchise that's established to introduce new concepts, new characters, right? So, Master Chief and Cortana were pretty much the only familiar faces we were going to get out of Halo Four. We didn't necessarily know that going into it. Right, but that's what we got. And Lasky was such a big, important character that contrasted the sort of humanity side. So, like, it's nice the way this film sets up where you initially get the Cortana stuff, you know, with Chief and everything. I was going to ask you, Ryan, when this was coming out and you're seeing this first episode, was that kind of like blowing your mind? Like, what was that like for you when you're seeing the Cortana stuff? Like, because she even mentions in there, like, you know, how it's killing, thinking's killing her and all this kind of stuff. Well, are you like, you know, I don't, I don't have a ton of questions. I guess the term, I probably wouldn't use the term blowing my mind, but I would say I was very, very, very excited because you got to think about it at this point, we had never seen a Halo quote unquote movie, you know, and it depends on how you view it, if you want to call it a movie or not, because it was originally pitched as a web series. Um, but prior to this, we had the live action trailers and we had that like Neil Blomkamp uh, ODST, like seven minute short movie. Uh, so for me, it was like, oh man, we're getting Halo 4 and they're giving us our first Halo movie ever. So like my expectations were like, you know, we've never had a Halo movie before. So I wasn't expecting it to be the best thing ever, but I was just excited to see live action Halo. And they'd already told us that Chief was going to be in it. I mean, that was in the marketing material. Um, so when I watched the first episode, um, you know, there wasn't, it's only, only like 15 minute episodes. And like I said, it's a very slow buildup. So after the first episode, they just, they kind of piqued my interest. But mm-hmm. uh, they hadn't shown anything, you know, too revolutionary yet. Um, but yeah, I was just really hyped for it. Well, was it known prior to the to that first episode releasing that like Cortana was going to be having a lot of issues? I think so because of like the Halo Four like marketing and them talking about the story. Like, hey, Cortana's, you know, her lifespan's up, and they even talked about that in Halo Legends from the 2007 anime. You know what I mean? You know what, Brian? We should do a Halo 4 retrospective sometime. Oh, dude, we definitely should. <laughs> I, th- I was thinking that when we watched this. I'm like, you know what? Halo 4 had a lot of cool stuff surrounding it. You know what I mean? It did. That would, be, it would be exciting. It'd be an awesome retrospective, and I'm sure we get it close to the same amount of time out of that as something else. It's it's yeah. it's weird too, because like, I'm not saying there's any like good reason to do this. I just in my own head, I separate the the eras of Halo into three right now, and it's about to be four. There's the Bungie era, the Halo 4 era. And the mm-hmm. Halo Five era, 
because like yeah. five and four seems so separate to me. I don't know if that's because of how different they are as games or if because how long like Halo Five is now it's gonna have a five year period where it's the only it's the mainline Halo, which is the longest a mainline Halo's ever had. Um, and Halo Four was obviously like that. That was a new studio. It had been five years since Halo Three. I know we had region ODST before, but yeah, um, yeah. So like Halo Four is like its own kind of era, and Halo Five is its own kind of era, and then Infinite looks like it's going to be its own era. Um, I can see that because I mean you have a huge gaps in time between those two, and like Five even had Master Chief Collection, which was tying into it. So like there was a lot for Halo Five. Yeah, I could tell there was yeah, a lot exactly. for Halo Four. Um, and because so, Halo Waypoint also released around the time, like leading up to this stuff, right? Uh, was Halo Waypoint was 2000 it was either 2007 or 2008 because that was oh. that was 343's oh, that was 343's first project was Halo Waypoint 343 okay. existed that far back. in some form since 2007 like right when Bungie said we're separating from Microsoft 343 uh-huh. was the thing but it was so uh-huh. small okay. and you know there's hardly anyone involved I don't even think Frank O'Connor was involved when 343 was no I actually I know he wasn't because Let's talk about Frank. Yeah, I'm getting there. Cause, uh, yeah, because and actually, I'll, I'll say this first, and then we'll tie right into the movie. Because um, I, I think it was in an interview with Frank O'Connor where he talked about this um, that he was planning on leaving with Bungie. Like Bungie, he he came to Bungie because he was a Halo fan, and then when Bungie was leaving Halo, he was going to move on with them. And I may be taking this out of context because it's been a while since I watched it, but basically it sounded... It's been a while! Since that... No, sorry. And... Uh, <laughs> you should have done um, it. <laughs> Bonnie, Bonnie Ross came to Frank and, like, had questions about the Halo universe, and I guess Frank just, like, poured out, like, all this knowledge about Halo, and you could see the passion he had and stuff. And mm-hmm. I can't remember how it went about, whether if she asked him or if he asked her, but basically it was kind of this understanding that Frank came to this understanding that... He was a fan of Halo more than he was Bungie. Obviously, he's a fan of Bungie. He worked for Bungie. He loves those guys. But Halo is what came, brought him there, and he wanted to stay with Halo. So he ended up, um, Bonnie had him come over to 343, and he left Bungie. And, um, yeah, so Frank had a cameo in Halo 4, Ford Unto Dawn, as Beamish, the janitor at Corbulo Academy. What would you think of the cameo, Josh? Hilarious! Isn't that great? He just has a smug look yeah. on his face, but it's like just, it's almost comical. It's not like a he doesn't look angry. He just looks like I'm being mad. <laughs> I feel like it's classic Frank, it even in a, in the best possible way. Because like, yeah, it's pretty much you hit the nail on the head with that. But it's like he's trying to. It's an awkward moment mm-hmm. when the fight happens, you know, and breaks out, and he's just kind of standing there as a janitor trying to do his job. And and then you see the did you see the bloopers at the very end after the credits? Um, I have in the past, but not recently. Okay, yeah, I watched it, and it just shows him making this face where he's like. Yeah, like he's got like a poo-poo face, like someone just you know crop dusted like right under hold- his nose. <laughs> I feel like he'd been holding that broom for an hour, waiting for the cut to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, did you ever see where he reprised his role as Beamish, the janitor? I can't remember. He did the like the three four three did the ice bucket challenge. Remember that when that was a thing? Oh yeah. And, he, yeah, and after the ice bucket challenge was over, the, a shed opened up, and he came out of it dressed as Hamish. Came out, yeah. And he cleaned oh, up man. the the mess. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, which which is so cool for what's so cool for Frankie is if you look at him in Halo Four Forward into Dawn and then you look at him in that ice bucket challenge, he lost a ton of weight, dude. He's really thick. I know. Really thick. I remember seeing that. He got so healthy, dude. Like good for him. Yeah. Good for awesome. Him. Um yeah, so that, that happens in the cafeteria scene, which which we were getting to anyways, and basically what happens is uh what'd you say, April? I think you said her name was April. They're um the lady who's yeah. in charge of them. She, yep, April Orensky. She tells them to give up their quiche 
<laughs> they're oh they're, yeah. they're desert because uh they failed their last mission and then they go give their tr- uh, food trays to her and as they're walking back um red-haired guy do you have his name on you josh red-haired dude yes i do man it's vickers vickers says to lasky something about his mom what do you say he says your mom would be disappointed in you or whatever no he says something about his brother or you're nothing like your brother. It's about his. It's something about his brother being dead, or I don't know something. I thought it was about his mom, effect. but I, I, I guess uh, maybe it was. Maybe yeah, it I was. think it was something about his mother, like her mother would okay. be disappointed in him. We'll go with that. I could be wrong. Either way, he says he says something dickish, and then Lasky's just like gives himself a second to cool off. He's like, nope. Turns around, punches him in the face. They start fighting in the lunch, the lunch hall, mess hall, whatever. Um, that's where you get the quick shot of Beamish looking angry with his mop. And uh, then um, I gotta clean all this up now. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, there's blood on my floors. Yeah. Um, then uh, what's his name? What's her name? Wilson Fisk's wife shows up. Uh, yeah, we're just gonna go with that. Yeah, Wilson Fisk's Same wife character. shows up to. Uh, I'm happy. This is I'm happy. This is the one. This is the one criticism that stuck out with me in the film, and I feel like it's almost a nitpick. But then again, I'm like, eh. like they fight, and then she comes and she takes him aside, and she's like. You know, you sh- basically she's just like you're better than this, and then she lets him go. I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I could see that because, like, she says something to him in regards to how, like, you do have a you know the skill of a soldier yeah. in you or something to that effect, and it's like no punishment though. You get that just from a fight, like yeah. I mean, you he, punched a dude, and you went again. You should you did something you weren't supposed to do, and like you're a soldier, and it, it kind of elevated the plot a little too quickly there. Like I feel like it could have been. Like, I could see yeah, that. I, feel like I could it, see that. That that was the only because like at this point when you think about it, like. Like, this was actually, like, I think the actor Tom Green did a fantastic job yeah. as Lasky. However, Lasky himself, like, I didn't like in this. Like, I like him a lot in the game. Really? I didn't like him in this okay. movie as I much. I like him in both. Because, but. well, like, okay, there's the one scene when that same sort of, um, like, sort of a uh, parental figure, you know, Mahaffey. I, I might be mispronouncing Wilson right, Fisk's wife? That, that, yeah. Wilson Fisk's wife. <laughs> uh, when she's... Uh, teaching them in class, and uh, he he makes some offhand comment about soldiers dying, you know, in regards to people dying and giving oh, their lives yeah. and stuff like that, and and like he's just always kind of like adding to it. And I, I get, I think it's supposed to show the dichotomy in between like you know realizing or trying trying to trying to figure out what we're fighting for and if it's if it's actually the right thing to do. Yeah, there's because, this meta narrative you know, that like, why are we killing our own people? Like, are they not yeah, exactly? This is a theme that's done in a lot of movies. It's like you also see it in mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, you know. Remember Lord of the Rings and Two Towers, where Faramir says to like Sam or Frodo or whatever, like there's a dead guy from the east, and he's like, "I wonder what his name was or what he came from." Like, yep. like this guy, yeah, he's he's on our enemy's side, but he's not our enemy. He's just wrapped up in the war on that side. You know, and it's kind of like Thomas Lasky, like these insurrectionists, they're probably just, you know, I mean, there's some of them, they're just good people who want to live and farm and do whatever. Um, So it's cool that he's not about war. And I think that this film makes it seem like once the Covenant attack, by the time we see him in Halo 4, he's all about war when it's fighting like with humanity united. You know what I mean? Like he's cool with humanity united against something else. Um, It's interesting because I like... I could see that being another flaw in the movie of it, like just the pacing with that went too fast. Because like, he seems like he's kind of out for himself. He's not really sure whether or not he wants to be there. Like, it doesn't seem like he wants to be there, but it almost seems like he feels 
a sense of obligation because of his brother and stuff like that. And then as the film progresses, it kind of gets to a point where he has that, I know, I know you'll probably get to it, but the medical discharge, you know, and then like before he even gets to make a decision upon that, like for all we know, he could have everything goes south and then he's I don't even know if he really decides to be a soldier I just get the impression that he's just kind of he gets caught up in it and then when we fast forward you know obviously he's established now as someone in the UN well, I think they're trying to say he was inspired I actually I almost want to say 343 directly said he was inspired by Master Chief I could I see that's that. the point I mean that seems like the the overall goal of that story because you know when it shows the the older current Lasky in the very beginning of the yeah. movie and then you see his eyes. The whole movie we actually watch is just a brief few seconds in his mind, yeah. you know, because we circle back <laughs> around to that at the end. So that's 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 fair because I mean it really goes to show I think overall that like he remembers where his life was at that point and how Chief you know pretty much inspired him and saved him and a couple others and now he's going to go save Chief. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So this is kind of where and we're kind of caught in that. This is the I guess this is the one part Josh and I are probably going to criticize the most. We're kind of caught in where a couple plot things kind of go a little quick um, because now after um, Wilson Fisk's wife tells him that he's a hero, he can be a soldier. Then they go to do the capture the flag thing again. And he's like, I'll be the can I be the leader? And she's like, you better you better win or you're going to be your ass is going to be mine. And he has this idea, which um, when he's leading the squad, of them all taking their helmets off so that the opposite team won't be able will read their signals, which are in their helmet, and they'll go to the helmet and then they'll surround them and take them out. Which I thought this was a really cool plan, but it reminds me of this. This is so off topic. It reminds me of this Disney movie I watched once about bowling. It's like called like Alley Cat's Bowl or something. Bowling. I don't know. Alley Cat Strike. Yeah, you remember that? What? Yeah, okay, I've dude. seen that. You remember that? Oh you remember how he? God. Remember how that dude wins in that movie? He ends up like setting the ball on the ground and spinning it. I can't remember. Okay, now. okay. So like he's gonna lose. Disney Plus is a thing. I might have to watch. Okay, it. the only way he's able to win the bowling tournament is if he gets this like the hardest strike or the hardest like bowling move ever which is like it's a split split isn't it like a split yeah Yeah. so he takes the ball the bowling ball and he sets it on the ground and he spins it in place and then he taps it forward and the thing slowly 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 spins all the way down to the end hits the one spins over and hits the other and he wins and i remember thinking to myself when i saw lasky put those helmets down i'm like this is one of those things that's really cool because you're doing a movie and you can make it work but in real life that would not work probably and uh, actually, what, another thing that's funny is I went to a bowling alley with Kyle once, and I was like, I'm going to try that move. So I took the bowling ball, and I set it on the ground, and I spun it, and I pushed it forward. It went right in the gutter and went all the way down to the end. <laughs> so, so I'm like, yeah, this is one of those movies. Well, moments. that was the last time you did oh, that. Oh, yeah. I looked like an idiot. And then I think some guy came up behind me. He's like, it's much better if you just throw the ball. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. I was trying to do the alley cat split. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, no. So I, I, I don't think that would work if it wasn't in a movie. But uh, it's not a move the Jedi would tell you. But anyways, so while uh, Lasky's running for the flag, he passes out, and you find out it's because the he's the cryo sickness. He has a he's allergic his allergic reaction, and he now has cause to that he can be medically discharged because if he if he so chooses, he can be medically discharged. Which I don't think it works that way in real life. I'm pretty sure in real life, if they found out you had that allergy and you were medically discharged, you would have no choice. You would have to leave. I don't think they give you an option. Do you know about that, Josh? I don't. I'm, I think you're right. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that you they just don't want you. Um, but 
So Lasky is not sure and he ends up talking to the chick from Narnia. What's her name? Do you know? Lynn? No. <laughs> I think it's... Uh, Ch- oh, Tyler? Tyler? Yeah. yeah, Tyler. He ends up talking to Tyler and... So pretty. Yeah, I think she's really... I really do. I think her. I think she's very pretty. I was... The whole time I was watching this, I was doting on her and, uh, you know, Wilson Fisk's wife. Makes me want to watch oh. Chronicles of Narnia, dude. I'm dead serious. Man. I'm joking. Um, my wife's a big fan of that movie. Um, they were good. They should do more. I think Netflix is doing something different. Yeah, anyway, back on to yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um So he talks to Tyler and shows Tyler the paper and she's like, you're not leaving, are you? And he's like, you know, maybe. And she starts kind of like crying a bit and then she's like... I'll miss you. And then she slowly looks at him. And I don't think it's cheesy at all. I think it really works. She slowly looks at him and she's like, and they go in for a kiss and they kiss each other. And then that's when all hell breaks loose and they run back into Corbulo Academy and it's not a drill and everyone's in line to get on the, now this is going to be, this is heresy that I don't know what this, that I'm having a brain fart on what this is called because I'm such a hardcore Halo fan. The, uh, the elevator lift thing. What's the, Isn't it like a tram kind of? No, it has a name. They're in, they're, there's one in Halo 2. You see it off in the distance. It's like the big coil thing that's like an elevator that takes you off into space. There's a name for it. It's embarrassing that I don't know it, but whatever. Oh, you're um, good, man. So they're all like everyone in Corbulo Academy is rushing to get on that elevator, and they can only hold so many at a time. And they're waiting in line, and the one, the one chick... That's got blonde hair, white chick. Um, she speaks. A, she speaks in a different uh, accent. Dima. Dima. Yeah, Dima. Yeah. She says, "I can get us in quick. I can get us in now." And the leader, April Argonski, is like, "No, no, no. We're gonna wait our proper turn." And she's like, "Suit." You say Argonski. What is it? It's Arensky. Arensky. Okay. Argonski. Yeah, she's an Argonian from Skyrim. Sounds like a hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, Dima runs forward, and she's like, suit yourselves. And she gets up to the elevator, and she tells the soldier. She tells the soldier, she's like, my mom's head of fleet comm. And the soldier's like, I don't need no proof. I don't want to die. Go ahead. Like, yep, good enough for me. And she gets in the elevator, Ooh. and the elevator goes up. They all watch her go up. And then suddenly, really cool scene. Uh, under the darkened clouds, the lights on the bottom of the Covenant ship show. And all the kids are like, what in the world is that? They've never seen Covenant ships. And then they take out the the elevator coil thing, and Dima dies. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Were these ship were those ship signs the ones from Reach? The you said the ships. Yeah, the Covenant ships. When you see them, it might have been. I think I think somebody said in our uh, we're going to agree to those questions at the end. I think somebody might have said they were from Reach. Um, yeah, it looked like it. But I don't know. I, I'd have to think about it, and I'd have to I'd have to sit here blank without saying anything for too long to think about what time period this takes. So I'm not going to do that, but. I don't. I well. Re, I think it might have. Would it have been before Reach? Because I don't know if you. Somebody pointed this. I think it was Katie. Uh, we're going to get to in the questions. I think she might have pointed out. I think Chief's younger than Thomas Lasky in this. I think he's. Yeah, I think he's. It 50, seems to be he's fifteen. The, and, that's the impression I get at the end. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be before the fall of Reach, but I could, could be wrong about that for sure. But anyways, I think you're right. So um, they see like out. They see like ODST. Uh, drop pods dropping they're like oh man this is serious and then they see like through the glass outside they see like a the part of a sanghealy like elite warrior and they're like what oh my well, you know what is that and then they run Poop pants time oh dude for sure man i would have shit my pants and then passed out um <clears throat> but then they go to <laughs> you just see you wake up to frankie just standing over you cleaning up my mess 
I cannot believe I just that's the storyline we just took there. <laughs> he's like, uh, Frankie, what are you doing? He's like, you're the only survivors. Technically, you were there yeah, too. Like, you you survived, but you shit yourself. And I'm yeah, the janitor. Bloody trousers. So yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, they all all the cadets run to one of their rooms and they hide in the room. And this is a really cool scene, man. Do you have something to say first? Yeah, I was gonna say so. Well, we're gonna get to this, but Chief mentions at some point that they're the only people left on on the, the planet. planet, dude. Yeah. So Frankie's character died. Oh, like he just completely ate it, right? Man, well, unless it's like you know, they can always they always write stories. I like to think he. Back. I like to think he escaped. Like maybe he got up in one of those things or whatever. Maybe was, you know? maybe Beamish is actually a Spartan. Beamish. Wow. In his bio, it would just say, "If you were any better, he'd be a." Spartan. Yeah, he's he's a janitor, but if you were any better, he'd be a Spartan. I mean, he's an undercut. Isn't he a nameplate in Master Chief Collection? Can't yep, you get yep. Beamish? You can. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Okay, continue. Yeah, you though. guys wonder where that nameplate came from, Forward into Dawn. Um, yeah, maybe he's an undercover Spartan, and Beamish, you know, he, he's alive. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> that's why he made that smoldering the Spartan stick. one, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, Spartan one. He trained with Johnson. Um, yeah. yeah, so they all hide, all the cadets hide in this room, and, they, and Thomas Lasky peeks his head out of the hallway, and... He sees an elite finishing someone off and then going invisible. And I love this line because I'm like, this is how we would really reply in real life. Thomas Lasky looks back in the room. He's like, they're invisible. They can go invisible. You know, it's almost like we thought we were screwed, but now we can't even see them. Um, and so then they're all waiting to like make their 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 uh, their move out of the door. And the elite is moving closer and closer to them. And finally they run and they turn, run around this corner, and I guess the elite cuts. I thought I don't know if it's the elite cuts him off. I think because I think there's only one elite in the scene, but cuts him off. And the other dude we haven't mentioned yet, um, Chen. What's that? Chen. Chen. You're talking about the one that gets with the glasses. He gets stabbed through the abdomen, and then they all turn around and run, and they they barricade themselves off in this room, and then the elite starts knocking the door down, and they're like, "Holy crap! This big giant metal door is not going to hold him." And Vickers hides on one side, and the rest of them hide on another side of the room. The elite gets in, and the elite's about to discover Lasky, uh, Sullivan, and uh, April, that name I can't say. And Orensky. Vickers, like... Orgensky. Orgensky. Um, <laughs> it's Orensky, but I just love the hockey player <laughs> mentality I have now when I think of that. Uh, Vickers throws like a, like a canister... Uh, to distract the elite, and then the elite just turns around, and kills Vickers in one quick hit, and then as the elite goes back over to Thomas Lasky and the crew to kill them, we get the scene that everyone's been waiting for. Suddenly, the elite is stabbed through the back. He falls over, and elite and Master Chief standing there in this really cool pose with his like flashlights coming out of his helmet, the one one boom one one seven on his chest, and then the kids are like whoa. Yeah. Um, and he's like, uh, "If you want to stay alive, follow me," or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. And then they're following through the they're following through the very hallway. Terminator like, come with me if you want. Yeah, to pretty much. Ah. And they're following through the hallway, and then he has to walk ahead and for a minute. And this is the cringiest line of the entire movie. This is the one line I thought did not work. He's like, he turns around. He's like, like, what? Who are you? And he's like, you can call me Master Chief. I just don't think it works. Yeah, I, I, I got that. Thing, yeah, dude. it's cringe. I feel like the writing was pretty good, like you said. Except for that. Throughout most of the movie, I felt like most of the stuff was how we would respond or act yeah. or things we would be going through. But when he says that, I'm like, okay. It's like that's a real nod on the head. It would have been like in Solo if 
Han Solo turns around after killing Beckett, and he's like, that's why I always shoot shoot first. first. It's like, you can call me Master Chief. It would have been better if he's like, it's like, you can call me John. I'd be like, okay, yeah, Yeah. that's real. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe, but I feel like even if he was just like, you know, Spartan 117, Master Chief, you know, or something like that, it just seemed very... I don't know. I like it in one sense because it shows his humanity yeah. a little bit. He could even he could even been like, my name is John, but most people call me Master Chief. Eh, that's a little corny too, but less corny. That is definitely less corny. corny. Though, I feel like. <laughs> that's very cool. That sounds very intimate. Like yeah. everyone else calls me Master. Yeah, Chief, no, I no, I'm bad. You guys can You're call right. me John. That's worse. <laughs> that's worse. Yeah, I don't know. It just could have been better there, but uh, I don't know. They end up uh, they end up going outside, and Sullivan gets shot by a needler. No, he gets shot. I don't know if it's a needler. Maybe a carbine. I don't know. His leg gets shot. Sullivan. Oh, yeah. yeah I think it was a carbine. Carbine, yeah. Needler, yeah. Uh, they start showing a lot of like CGI, like jackals and stuff. I don't know. Do We don't see any grunts. No. No, jackals and really good. Like you can tell it's CG, but like they, the way they did it was pretty well. What's up, Josh? I have a feeling the reason why they didn't show grunts is because grunts would have added humor into an otherwise serious yeah. film. That's probably it. I think it would have ruined, it would have mixed Yeah, if a grunt was running around screaming something, it would have just kind of took it away from the moment. Because it is pretty bleak. Now, it would have been nice later on when they're in the Warthog, and the Warthog actually hits a jackal and runs it over. It would have been nice if that was the lone grunt you get to see in the movie. And he just, ah! I want to live! Yeah. Yeah, so you see this really cool scene of, like, Master Chief running with his pistol out, like, taking out jackal after jackal. That was where I got emotional. Something about that, I was like... Like, this isn't the de facto like form I would uh, I imagine as Master Chief in my head on the big screen, but like when I see him in this, okay, I'm gonna go backtrack a little bit actually. When I first watched this and I heard his voice in my head, I was like, why did they not get Steve Downs? When I watched this again and I I remembered going into it, this wasn't Steve Downs that voiced him. Immediately followed that thought by, he's a lot younger. Yeah, and then the guy who does the voice actually sounds good. So to me, I mean, I suppose that's up to debate for people, but I feel like he sounded very good, sounded a lot, like as close as you're going to get to a young Steve Downs, Mm -hmm. I think. I thought I did great. he was a great young. So when I see him, yeah, yeah, when I see him like running and he's firing that pistol and you just see him getting take out, uh, (laughs) take out, I can't say it. Uh, I was like, I I got a little emotional. I was like, that's my chief. Because you know what? When you play the Halo games, like... It's something you don't realize. At least I don't. I, maybe you do, Brian. You can tell me. But like, when I play through them, like, you know, you're this badass dude, and you don't necessarily feel like it sometimes because you're just used. You played so many Halo games as the Master like the, Chief. The bar Spartan. for you is killing onslaughts of Covenant. Yeah, you watch but a movie then you realize and it's like, this is a big deal. Yeah, and but then you also see the Marines in the game and how they always die. And sometimes you're playing through the game and you you try to keep them all alive. Sometimes you might even kill them yourself. But like. You know, depending on what you do, like, obviously, they're nowhere near as powerful mm-hmm. as what you are. You, they don't have the shields. They're not able to, to use weaponry as, as good as you are and stuff like that. So I feel like that's the moment when we really get to see, like, just how big a deal he kind of is. And, like, I don't know. Like, it, it's like when Halo 3 came out and they had that promotional believe campaign and it shows the diorama. Yeah. And it kind of goes up to Chief. And you just feel emotion, uh, you know, and you feel like, like, that's a... He's not real, but he just feels almost so real that you identify with him because yeah. he's like, it's like if we if we ever go to, um, uh, I'm totally blanking on what they're called right now. 
the events that they oh, had Outpost last Discovery? year. Oh my God. Thank you. Yeah. Outpost Discovery. And I see the statue chief. I think I'm going to get emotional staring at that. Like genuinely, I think I would honestly do it because it's, it's such like, an important thing to your life. You look up to him in terms of the games and everything, because all the care, like when you're around, whenever you show up, everyone's like, yeah, chief's here. And it just, it's a big morale boost. People just chief but showing like, up makes people think they're going to live. Yes, exactly. And I, I felt that when I was watching the movie and he's leading him down the hallway before he's like, right before he says, you can call me master chief. You hear him like he just looks like a giant, and you hear him walking. You hear those steps, and they're following him. They're like, they think he's a robot. You yeah. know, they don't know who this guy is, and like it's just it's such a cool moment. Like it, it's it, it was well executed. Yeah, no, it definitely it feels like uh, that scene with him running and shooting all the jackals. It's like it, it encapsulated how you That's how you chief. felt playing as chief in the games is now yeah. represented. But also, I'm like. I'm like that's my hero, you know, like yeah. that's Master Chief. That's it. That, you, you know, know? B- Bungie created an, uh, he, an iconic hero. I mean, he just he he Chief just has all the things that are needed to be a memorable iconic hero. Whether they wanted him to be a blank slate or not, they just his iconic look, his one-liners, his gritty voice, his always doing what's best, you know. And he's also you kind of tragic because you know of his history. It is. You know of his history it and is. how he got there. So yeah, you know that shot of a. Uh, of him when he's like looking up at the uh, the hunter. Yeah, it's a good shot. Like and he's looking up. That's literally what I feel like when I'm watching that scene. Like I'm looking up at Chief yeah. and just watching him do this it's stuff. Like, and it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like the it's like when you look at the box art of Halo Two. You know, which Benjamin yeah. Gerard you know the took the picture of, and like the truth. that's that's what I feel like. It's that iconic moment. I just I don't know how to explain it. I'm circling around it, but yeah. Anyway, continue, Brian. Yeah. So they end up. Uh, I, this was a little bit prior, actually, but. Chief's like, he says to Lasky, he's like, you know how to drive a warthog? <laughs> Thomas is like, uh. He's like, oh, uh, shit, yeah. I guess. Uh, and then they, they just take General Black's body and toss him out on the ground because he's in the warthog. I know. It was funny. When I, when I watched that part, I'm like, is all General Black does is ride around in the warthog all day? <laughs> like That's it. Yeah, I know. It's like, like of all places to find him when this is going on. He's like, I never left warthog. this warthog. I just drove in circles at Corbulo Academy. Captain always goes down with his yeah. ship. Um, it's the warthog. So they all end up getting the warthog and taking off down like a road through a forest. And, you know, Sullivan's damaged. Um, I want to say, too, it's cool how like, well, I guess I'll just, I'll just say this first before I get to that. Um, they drive forward and a jackal ends up popping out of nowhere and manages to shoot, shoot Chyler with a needler. Uh, and then they run him over, I believe, or I think they run over the jackal or whatever. But this, this film does a really good job of showing you like, like you were talking about Marines and, and how Spartans are, are way better and everything. Like that one needle that was lodged in her body made it look like, oh my, that's horrible. That's one needle. That's what one needle can do to you. And it can like, it can like explode and, and, and it explodes inside of you. And it's like, that's awful. And like Chief, he he just, there's one point where he just puts his back in front of the needler. And obviously the needler just, yeah, earlier it, the needles just bounce off his shield. But it just goes to show like how powerful a needler is if you're not a Spartan, you know? Yep. No, well done. And even just to go back a little bit further, it was very cool when Chyler actually gets, like, she runs out of ammo and she looks down, she notices the carbine. Like, that yeah. was cool. Like, she sees the alien weaponry and she's like, oh, what is yeah, this? Yeah, that's right. She's like, yeah. And then she gets a kill with it right away. Yeah. That was cool. They really handled, and we're going we're gonna to sum this up as we get to the end, but man, they really handled this movie so well. I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to think what, what more we could have expected with the budget this low. It's aged very well. I yeah, think. it doesn't feel like in the CG. Like it's weird. I don't, I don't know how to describe the CG. The CG doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look expensive and great either. It's like it works, 
it's like different enough that it works. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think honestly, bottom line, I think it looks like what you would expect from a straight to DVD like movie, okay. but knowing that this is based off a video game and made to generate hype, I think it's just cool. it doesn't come across as bad as maybe a straight yeah. to DVD thing. Well, it so almost when I looks watch like it, they're the same parts of the hunter. Yeah. The, the part where Chief is jumping over the hunter looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For seven, you know, even then I can tell, but especially seven years later, looks fantastic. There's shots that don't look super bad, but if you notice, yeah. they never focus on that stuff for too, too long. So, in a good way. In a good yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so the, the climax at the end here is Tyler's dying from the um, needle <sighs> in her body, and Thomas is mm-hmm. getting really upset. Um, Chief uses biofoam on Sullivan's leg to heal him, but then he has none left for Chyler. But you can see, like, Chyler comes, or uh, Chief comes over to the side of the Warthog, and he's, like, looking over Chyler, and he really, you can tell he wants to save her. He's like, we got to get, we got to get to the Pelican. I'm out of biofoam. And it's like, Chief cares about saving people. Like, look, look, he said the whole planet, he says the whole planet's wiped out, and they're the last survivors, yet he's wasting all this time and effort to save a couple kids from Corbulo. So it, it just shows his, his, her, his heroics uh, even more. Um, but so then he goes to take out the does, – doesn't, doesn't Lasky, he like runs to distract the hunter? Is that what works, that how it happens? Not not quite well, yet. Well, he, he first, first Tyler dies, right? Yeah. yeah he, Which was so emotional. Very, I, I was I, like, oh, Thomas, my God. Uh, the Tom Green, who plays Thomas Lasky, he sold me on that. Dude, it looks like he lost the love of his life. Yeah. You know? Oh, I remember when I was watching this, I couldn't remember if she died or not. And I was going to, like, ask you afterward, what's she up to? Like, what is she up to during the events of Halo 4 and everything? And then she died, and I was like, oh. Uh, dang it. Yeah. She's she's dead. Sad. Yeah, it was, oh, it was, it was so all acted, too. But, oh, it was just a bummer. And she's such a good shot and everything. Like, it was great when you've seen her in the Warthog right before we, we find out she gets hit, uh, that she's, like, taking out yeah. a couple jackals and stuff like that. Man. Yeah, but a very emotional moment from Lasky and then... Lasky kind of it kind of mirrors his his two um, capture the flag training things where he's running and it's kind of going slow mo. He runs to distract just to distract the hunter, right? And then yep. and then Chief is out of ammo, so all he has is grenades. So Chief does this legendary like stick the hunter with a grenade, jump over his back move. You know what though? I gotta say, this is the moment I felt the film was at its most cheesy okay like it's not really that cheesy but there's one line not that part not that part but just to backtrack it's when <clears throat> excuse me he's telling uh he's communicating with kelly overcomes and he says something like negative i'm not leaving him and i was like that felt like it's a little like too on the nose like where they're like trying to make him like, feel like he's got, her hero like make us yeah feel like, like i get the feeling like you said i feel like you're right like Throughout the film, I, I genuinely, or at least in that final act, I really do feel like they're showing us that Chief wants to help these people and go out of his way yeah. to do it. But then that one line makes it feel like they're telling us he yeah, wants to. Yeah, that's fair. I'd say that's fair, for sure. Yeah. Um, Other than that, it's great, but continue. Yeah, so yeah, Chief Chief blows this hunter up. Well, for, we, we kind of we already talked about it earlier, but there's that cool image where like Chief looks up at the hunter and he's like, "Whoa!" Yes, it's really cool. The the light, the way it reflects off his visor, cool scene. But, Big game hunter. But uh, yeah, he uh, he blows the uh, hunter up, and then the pelican lands, and they board the pelican. So the survivors are Thomas Lasky, April, Anamanapia, and. Uh, <laughs> 
What's her name? Orensky. So it's, uh, it's We've now gone to Orgensky, the hockey player, in Onomatopoeia, <laughs> an ancient April, warlord. April, April Orensky, <laughs> Thomas Lasky, and Sullivan are the survivors. Onomatopoeia sounds like a character from Greece in like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm, that seems like a song they would sing in like some kid's show on the Disney Channel. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be a chicken. I don't want to be a duck. Onomatopoeia. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyways. So then, oh, five out of five stars. Bro. Then one of my top five favorite scenes of the whole movie is the final scene where Kelly and is it Fred? I think it was Fred. I'm not one. Kelly and Fred they take off two. their helmets and they I don't know what they did with makeup or contacts, but they made them look like they've been augmented in some way just by their facial expression mm-hmm. or whatnot. They take off their helmets and they reveal to the three that survive that they're just human kids. They're 15 year old kids and they're not robots at all and. And it's cool, too, the whole time that they take their helmets off and they're looking at each other. Chief's just, like, looking out the pelican with his, his weapon, just making sure that if anyone pops up, he's there to take it out. And Thoughtful gaze. Yeah, Chief, of course, in typical fashion, does not take off his helmet. And then he says to Lasky, uh, you did a good job, soldier, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, like, symbolizing, like, before it cuts to the future where it shows Thomas Lasky when he's older that Chief inspired him. Um, so... Yeah, and then at the end it shows the old Thomas Lasky on the Infinity and him and a bunch of other ships go through portals. Um, now, I'm wondering, Josh, where do you think – I think – what I, I'll say what I think it is first and you tell me if you think I'm right. It shows the Infinity and a bunch of other ships going through portals. I think that's the original crew of ships that set out to find and decommission the remaining Halo rings. And they, oh, they, they all went oh. to different places and Infinity ends up at Requiem. Which is Halo Four? Because you remember Lasky, You're probably right, man? That actually, yeah. Lasky seems, says in Halo Four, he's like, "We were set out to decommission Halo rings or whatever, or like." Yeah, that sounds very plausible. Yeah, so I think that's where it probably is. Uh, then, it, but uh, dude, I didn't. That stare down was so weird to me. Like, I get the symbolism behind it because you're supposed to see like that they're just yeah. kids. They're just, they're humans, but at the same time, there's such a intimidating stare that they have yeah. where they're like. I'm sure it's supposed to show that like they're human, but they're not necessarily they're they're lacking in a, I mean, a their bit of humanity from them, and all they know is war. Yeah. So. And granted, you do get you do get that line at the end of Halo Four, which is my favorite. You know that whole thing that Lasky says about you know humanity and stuff like that, which Chief and Chief just kind of looks. You see his body language shift and stuff. So like, you can kind of definitely you can you get you get the impression. Yeah, I'd say you get the impression that they definitely have been stripped of that. Like, they don't have as a whole lot of compassion. They just know their job. I don't know, See, but yet Chief has the... Chief walks that line. Like, I love it, but we're... Watching this now, this is a huge stretch, and it, and it doesn't do much at all, but it, it, watching this now, I'm like, oh, cool, this is their very, very first seed of making the blue team feel like they're actually a part of the games because like it, the, this movie ties in with four so much and then you see a little bit of blue team. It's, it's cool in retrospect now that we've had Halo 5. It doesn't do much, really, but it's just kind of cool. No, it's still cool, yeah. for sure. For sure, it's still cool. And, you know, I, I just have to say before we kind of move into, like, closing thoughts on that and stuff, like, I did not like April or Rinsky at all. Like, actress-wise, I thought she, she was, was great. She was just kind of character-wise, dick. She was kind of, like, a bully yeah. in a way, like, especially with the lunch scene. And then, like, when it, stuff goes south, she just she's supposed to be their leader, and she just kind of, like, becomes one of she them. She gets scared, and. Yeah. Yeah, which is totally understandable, you know. But I'm just when I, by the time I get to the end of it, I'm like, ah, really? Like of all the characters she gets to live, like you have um, Vickers who has this sort of like, like he's kind of made to seem like the bad guy, 
And in the very beginning, it's Lasky who yeah. decides not to follow orders. All and he then does is make the, a bad only, comment. That's it. He, he makes one bad comment. And even then, you still have Lasky doing that through the film. So, like, there's never a, a big push and pull between, like, yeah. them trying to, like, peacock leadership or anything like that. But I don't was know. It, was when, it needed? Died, was that needed at all? Yeah. Them having yeah, a I don't know. Yeah, it, it doesn't really, doesn't it didn't really go anywhere, yeah. you know? I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. So I mean, was that? I mean, it seemed like the their their rivalry was there to serve so they could punch each other in the lunchroom, and then Wilson Fisk's wife could say, "You're a soldier." Yep. So yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's a couple things that, I mean, we'll agree that the plot it wasn't developed all the way through. A couple different things, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, I gotta say, like the reasons why this I feel like this were this is aged very well, and why I like it way better than I did the first time I saw it was because I understand more. Of Halo Four story, but I also feel like it's a kind of it's kind of a cool entryway. It's connected, if you're trying yeah. To introduce someone like sure. like Brian. If you were trying to show your dad who's heard about you play like playing Halo and your love this. of Halo, but he's have him actually watch that and it gets to the chief and like that's got to be a cool moment, yeah. you know? Like it, it kind of gives me a little bit of like low key Starship Troopers vibes without all the whole like fun propaganda yeah. that that movie has going yeah. in it. But yeah, it was it was. It's great, man. Like, it just has really good character development with uh, some of them, like with Lasky and even um, Chyler. Like, throughout the movie, she doesn't really, you know, she's very one-dimensional in terms of the insurrectionists and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Whereas Lasky's, like, her foil to that. He's like, you know, you know, why aren't you questioning this stuff enough? And she's like, we don't need, we shouldn't question and it. And she you also know, it's just more like, like, all I've ever known is fighting insurrectionists. Yeah, exactly. So, and then you get, like, the, the Chen dude who, like, he wants to make his father proud. You kind he of has to lie idea. once to his father. He's like, I got top yeah, marks. He's, yep. Yeah. yeah, so all in all, pretty cool. And and when uh, Mahaffey, uh, <laughs> what is it, Wilson Fisk's wife yeah. dies, I love how they did that because she just kind of dies and it just moves on. And, and the same thing when Vickers gets shot by the elite, like, they don't waste any yeah. time on that. The only the only person they waste time on it, like, the only person they spend time I, on it is Chyber. I'm glad you brought this and up because I, I had a big criticism. You finished first. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Well, yeah, I'll just say that the, the reason why I liked that was because it feels like that's what would happen if we were in that situation where loved ones are dying and you don't have time to think or reflect. Yeah. You have to move. And it sucks. So, and, and that's an understatement, but yes. What's um, up, tell me, maybe you can give me a better perspective on this. I thought this was probably one of the worst things of the whole movie. Okay. Um, didn't seem like Thomas Lasky grieved for a second over his brother dying. Well, I, I don't know because it's... He gets it, interrupted. The impression I get with like, it. He's literally the watching I got, it. He's like, oh yeah, your brother's dead. And then Sullivan comes up. He's like, hey, watch this cool video I found on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, the impression I got with that was that his brother had passed away a while back. Because it sounds oh, like... Oh, you're right. No, that you're actually right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's just rewatching. Yeah, because Tyler says, why do you torture yourself with these? Yeah. Uh, then, like, I knew that mom, back when this came out. I knew that. I forgot, yeah. dude. No, it's good. you're okay. good. You're good. And he gets the message from his mom, and she. it sounds like she's saying something right before he starts to tune out that like she's going to have him go into the academy. Yeah. So like after his brother passes. So, yeah. That's but yeah, that's that's why. But but dude, that was that was a cool dichotomy. Like, there's a good example, everyone, of when you criticize and you don't know for sure what you're talking about, like I just did. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what, me too, man. This is this still makes me look back on Halo Four and think, you know what, they did such a good job with it, man. The first like game, I don't man. first that game, orange man. aesthetic bugs me so much, and and some of the the design of the Prometheans and all that, it bugs me. If I get past those two things, yeah. 
I'm, I think it's I mean, a I, great game. I don't bring it up as much as you, but I mean, that bothers me too. I, I think it's mostly it's mostly the last level that has a ton of orange, I think. I get it. I mean, it's, it's, it's the it's all orange, over, but it's, it's like mostly... It's the design of the Prometheans, yeah. and it's the score and, at some points. But other than that, like, there's people that like that stuff. It's so, a lot of people's favorite you know, Halo, like you said. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's totally, totally fair. Well, yeah, we're going to be, and but, I won't say what it is, but we'll be, well, we want to do a Halo 4 retrospective, but we also, there's going to be another episode in the next few weeks that has to do with Halo 4, so tune in. But uh, Yeah, very cool. Um, very cool. But yeah. Dude, I, I like so it. Josh, I let me like give it you, so much. This here's is, what I want you to do. Three scores, okay, for this film. Three different scores. You ready? Okay. I want you to give me a score critically, personally, and critically based on the fact that it was a $10 million video game web series budget. Okay, so okay. we'll go first. Critical. Like a more fair critical. So yeah. just complete critical. I would give it a... Let's do a letterbox style. Zero out of, zero to five. Okay. One to five stars. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If I'm going to go, I'm going to give it, okay. If I have to be critical, 2.5 stars. First time I reviewed this, 1.5. Today, 2.5 as well. Okay. Good. We're on the same, same, yep. same there. Um, now, personal, you know, not a critical, not being objective, just how, how I enjoyed it. I would give it a, uh, I give it a three point five stars out of five. I think I'm gonna agree with you. On Boom! That. I, mean, I would say I would say three or three point five, but I'm leaning more toward three point five. Okay, doesn't quite hit that four mark, but it's close. Yeah. Okay. Good. We're on the same page here. Okay. So then the last one we're gonna rank critically what we think of it, knowing that it's a ten million dollar web series video game film. I would say because we gave it a two point five, I would say that ups it to. I would say that ups it to a three point five critically for me. I'm gonna say three on that okay. one, but I think three point five is fair. Okay. Yeah. Cool. There you have it, guys. Because I mean, overall, like it does a it does a really good job. It has a beginning, a middle, and end. It has good exposition that leads up and, and helps you better appreciate the ending. The tonal shift that happens in that is very akin to like Independence Day in some ways. Like when you see the big tower thing, which I'm forgetting the name of too. When you see that kind of fall and you get to see them react and you realize these are kids and everyone's just fleeing for their lives. It's very cool. The characters are likable. Sullivan is just like even behind the scenes that dude. I like uh, him. Was a goofball, and it's worth mentioning, wasn't Sullivan the character in the Hunt the Truth uh, audio drama? Yeah, they that bring ended him back working for Oni. Yep, yeah, that made everybody really very happy interesting back then too. I remember, but wasn't he kind of like more of a bad guy in that? I can't remember. Uh, he might have been with Oni. Yeah, yeah, I think he was with Oni. Uh, so it's like oh, hot take. Wonder what happened to Orensky though. Hot take for you though. I I think that if this film had gotten ten times the budget, there's just as much chance it would have been a worse film than it would have been a better one. I think I don't. Yeah, I don't think the budget necessarily. Yeah, I think the, I think the budget, like they worked within this budget. Because you think about things they did to make this budget work for them. Um, most, like over half the film, uh, doesn't have any CG. It takes place in forests and pre-established buildings. Um, you know, they they did a really good job mm -hmm. with the budget. So it did. I think I think absolutely. Ultimately, we love. I don't think you need to have a high budget it's to great. make a good film. So, Josh, yeah. would you say? I mean, I think it's there's not much competition. It's it's the best live action Halo we have currently. Correct. Yeah, I feel so. I, although I'd want to, I want to rewatch. Yeah, that. well, if you guys are interested in us doing one of these on Nightfall, let us know. We'll watch Nightfall and do an episode on that. I'd really like to reflect uh, back on. That I don't one. remember liking Nightfall much much at all personally, but I'd like to re, re reflect on that as well. We need to do a Halo Legends one too, dude. I think people love that. Oh, absolutely! I would, I would love to. Watch absolutely, that. I loved Halo Legends yeah, when I first watched cool. it. 
Okay, let's move into the questions because we asked about questions. Dawn. Questions. It's time we're gonna get to questions. Yeah, that's that our... was terrible. Questions. <laughs> that's a little bit. Hey, we got a lot of responses and stuff on your man. Holy crap! Heck yeah, man. Okay, let's see here. I we're we're, we're gonna read a lot of these off because this is this is we're, this is gonna be our one and only episode that we dedicate to for you know this movie. So we wanna. Give it what it deserves. Okay, so here's the question. For just under $10 million, Halo 4, Forward Unto Dawn, a web series that eventually released as a film, was produced. From live-action trailers to attempted theatrical films, we believe this is the best version of live-action Halo available. What did you enjoy about Forward Unto Dawn? And I posted a picture of Beamish and Master Chief <laughs> and the front cover. Um, let's see here. So we got... Hmm... Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. such a cringe part. Okay. I always think of that Halo Two uh, remaking the Legend thing when they were like way off note uh, with that. We need to do. A, we like, gotta oh. do. A, we gotta do an episode about that. <laughs> I know. We got so many episodes, guys. Uh, I remember thinking about that before we were gonna see it, and I thought it'd be cool. And then it was. And cool. It was, it was cool. cool. Yeah, there, you go, guys. <laughs> there it is. We need to start. We need. We need to have a backlog of content because when we have to wait from Halo Infinite to Halo Infinite Two, and it's five years. Yeah. <laughs> totally not. Okay, so first response I'm is sure from Cole Dreyer. I believe I pronounced that right. Um, he is at Cole D117. I really appreciated and enjoyed that the budget was stretched as far as it could possibly go. They clearly embraced what they were creating, injected labors of love for the sake of Halo, and created a truly good cinematic experience. I agree completely with Cole. I think you can tell that this was a labor of love. The people involved, they cared about Halo. What do you think, Josh? No, I completely agree. You can definitely tell that, like, uh, looking at someone who did not like Halo 4 and Halo 4 associated stuff when I first played it, I, I'm i just at a point where I look back on that with a fresh set of eyes, and man, you can really tell they went all in with that, and they, for all intents and purposes, wanted to make the best movie, game, books, you know, just overall experience that, that you could have going into a new era of Halo. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. Um Nick the Grave Walker uh, can't see his handle. I'll make sure it's there uh, when we mention people. Um, says, why the big man himself, of course. I love the fact that the costume didn't look cheap as hell or rushed in terms of craftsmanship. You can tell the prop and costume team really cared about getting that, getting the look and feel right. And guess what? They did. And then he posts a gif of, I think it's the gif of Chief looking up at the hunter. Can we... Can we just start referring his Master Chief as the big man the himself? The big man himself. <laughs> uh, dude, he did really—he did look really cool. Um, and I'm pretty sure... Oh, yeah. I, I watched the behind the scenes for this many years ago, and I'm pretty sure the entire suit is like a light foam. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think I saw something about that. It was been, it's been a while, man. But It's been a while! Since, uh, but dude, I... I <laughs> but I... Dude, I absolutely think it looked great. Like, I completely bought that that was yeah. Chief. And, and what's cool, I, too, is that... And it kind of slipped my mind. So when they first showed off the Halo Infinite trailer and you saw the 117 on his chest, I thought, okay, they're hearkening back to that one um, from the Legends. I think it was called yeah. whatever. Yep. The package, maybe. I think he has the 117 there. But he also has it in yep. Forward to Dawn. So I'm like, you know what? There's enough history there that I can buy this. I'm, I'm coming around to well, it. Well, I like more. it, too. Coming around to it. I am. Because you know what, dude? Like, when you see uh, when Sullivan's, like, getting into all that stuff, being a bad, bad boy, and you see the reflection. Or, I'm sorry. You see the, the Spartan. Yeah. It said 104, and in my head I was like, oh, that's cool because 
I know that's not Master Chief. When I first saw this, I didn't pay attention to that. I thought that was the Master Chief. Yeah. So, it's cool. It's cool. very cool. And plus, it's cool when you have like like I hope personally. I we we haven't talked about this before. I hope in Halo Infinite's multiplayer that the whole like you know uh, service tag. I hope they will put that. That on would do. That's gonna happen now. That'd be yeah, cool. I think so because like I love like I used to go with O two nine because that's Spartan Joshua service tag. So I put that on mine. I would love to have that on my chest yeah. when I'm running around a multiplayer. It's it's not needed, but like it's you cool. see someone's dead body or teabag and you see their 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 number on their chest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just gotta say it's kind of off topic, but I'm like, man, we are in such a dry spell for Halo like content right now. It's really cool, and this isn't about us. I'm talking about everyone else. It's really cool that the Halo community is so awesome that we're, they're constantly generating content for the fan base. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. You removed all the fan content that's going on right now, whether it's YouTubers, podcasters, bloggers, whatnot. If you remove that, dude, it would really, we'd really have nothing. I mean. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Halo is alive and well at times, but it is, and that's because of the community. Because of the community, yeah, dude. And we see that more now being a part of it, and it's fantastic. Community dude. kills so it. So fantastic. Twitter, Twitter is amazing for that. Like, I, I never, I don't really get the same sense of community from message boards and stuff yeah. like that. Like, I, between Reddit and Twitter particularly, I really get that feeling. It's the place and to Twitter go. more so because you can get to see the stuff. Just like YouTube. YouTube as well, but I just mean in terms of, like, seeing art and, yeah. I could ramble about that for so long. What's the next one? Uh, Panth- Pantheray at Panther Draws says the whole invasion sequence from the appearance of the corvettes to the climax yeah. of the locker room scene but especially the zealot they took the nothing is scarier trope and ran with it and holy shit yep. the results could not have been better absolutely absolutely agree that was so well done dude it's a complete 180 tonal shift in that third yeah. act as soon as that alarm goes off around that kiss that film goes into completely different territory and it doesn't feel disjointed it was so well executed and i love it and when it gets to that point you're like okay now i know why these first two acts were so like like slow and and plotted Mm -hmm. and everything like that because all the payoffs building at the end and as most stories should so they did good yeah and it's cool to have the, the the you know the highest moment of the film is the end you know you leave you leave at a very good position when you leave when you leave that film you're like that was awesome like if it had started with the big stuff and and ramped down you wouldn't have felt that way yeah yeah and you know what we didn't say this but i i feel like we're both in agreement on this that they did a really great job of balancing chief coming in but am ensuring that he doesn't steal the yeah, show yeah. he has moments where he steals the like scenes yeah. but it still has a very big focus on lasky and chief is there to enhance feels like the main character is lasky and his crew you know for sure. yeah and that's got to be a that had to have been a tough line to balance because it's one thing when you're making it and you're filming it but then when you're in post-production that can sometimes look entirely different so they did a very good job with that too yeah um, yeah, and the, the way that that zealot, they, they used just one zealot to, to create this kind of horror-esque thing, you know, and that was really yeah. cool. Like, it's yep, so well done with the budget. Um, next one we have is from Tom. We know Tom, Tom at Tom Jurassic, underscore Jurassic. Yeah. Uh, the fight sequences had some of the most beautiful cinematography. Never going to forget the slow-mo needle spike. Genuinely inspiring. I want more of that from Showtime. So Tom brings up the Showtime show, which I think is that's great. He mentions that because, you know, watching this just makes me think, what could they do with a Showtime show budget? You know, the, the, I'm not saying the Showtime show's budget's Game of Thrones level, 
but compared to this thing we just watched, it is astronomically higher. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I hope that the show is really good. I hope that we get the best live action to date yet. I know people had issues with some of the casting of, of the show or some of the ideas, but I remember there being issues, some issues with this forward and dawn as well. And I think just having the experience of seeing that live action, I think it's just cool to have. I think they've talked about how like it might not match up with Canon either. And I know that upsets some people, but I don't care, man. It's just for entertainment, you know? Dude, I feel the same way. Like, with Star Wars, man, we're going to get into Star Wars reference today. Like, I don't even... I, I, I'm all for... Like, if they wanted to do a new game or do a movie that that they're just... They brand as Legends, yeah. I'm completely fine with that. I don't need every bit of content to be canon. I like canon, but I'm just as guilty as everyone else is sometimes caring about canon so much that I, I let it stop me from enjoying the product at times. So... I'm completely 100% open. Do I understand some of the some of the um, problems people have? Yeah, but I think, man, I'm so happy with the casting. I think representation matters, and it's not even canon necessarily. So, like, let them do what they want. I'm 100% open to it. I'm ready for that. I'm excited to see what they do with the budget, like you said. Uh, dude, I can't wait for that, man. And I hope it's not... I don't know if they've said it. You can tell me, but I hope it's not some mini series. I hope it's actually like a, I think it's a full fully deal. fleshed out show. Yeah, I really think it's a full deal. I'm ready, I'm ready for that. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think like I love canon as well, and I, I like when things are canon. But ultimately, like we, we watch these things, um, you know, for entertainment value, you know, and and we play these games for entertainment value. And I don't know why, why can't we know these things are made up? We know these things are made by a group of people. Like, why can't we just accept? It's real to me, yeah. Dan. Like, can we just just have fun with it? Who cares if it's uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. And we I can have, we could also have some light. Like there could be some light canon. Like for instance, let's say the show as a whole is not canon, but let's say they create a new character for the show that ends up coming in the games as canon. Yeah, That'd be cool. Star it, it, Star Wars has done that. You know why? It doesn't have to be canon to be enjoyable. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to do the last. This will be the last response um, from. Alex at Haruspis, who we've, we're mm-hmm. friends with, had mentioned him several times. Yeah. This is, he says a lot of cool stuff about this, so I thought I'd mention him here. Um, he says, Ford and Dawn isn't just the best-case scenario for a live-action Halo series. It's generally one of the best pieces of Halo media we're ever going to see, and it's a great jumping-on point. I'll have a much longer rumination on this series coming later this year, so look for, look out for that, guys. Um, he says, I, re- I rewatched this recently for screen caps, and I can't believe they made this with less than $10 million. The sets, props, CG, it's all totally authentic to the universe. Um, then he mentions the director, um, Stuart Endlers. Stuart Enders, Endlers? I apologize. I'm, I'll, I'll try to fix that afterwards. Um, directing was excellent, making the Covenant more terrifying than they'd ever been before. Uh, so he kind of says something you said earlier, Josh. Uh, this is a great jumping on point for people in halo i feel like if you've never played halo or if you're behind on halo um it does and it does a really good job of fusing the bungee era with the 343 era i think too it does yeah and i mean if those are actually reach ships that's another nice way of fusing bungee with 343 stuff you know i mean i don't know for sure but like dude i i definitely agree i don't feel personally like it's the most well-directed film until about the third act because there's just some shots that feel very amateurish but at the same time, I don't think about that or consider it a criticism simply because of the, the, the type of film that they were trying to make with this. This isn't a theatrical 
know, they're not trying to make art. They're not trying to go up for an Oscar. You know, this yeah. this was more of a web series that was actually a film, but that you know, it just had a it had a different flow and structure to it. But it works well, and I think I think the budget that is there is very good. So I mean, I think yeah, I definitely. I think we could both point to several films that got huge theatrical budgets that we think are worse than Ford and mm-hmm. the Dawn, right? I mean, yeah. Like for you, Mortal Engines, oh, sure. of course. I love Mortal Engines, but Josh, you like Ford and Dawn more than Mortal Engines, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Josh is like just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what was that? Uh, what was that weird dude? That that robot dude in Mortal Engines? Oh. He was so cool. He was cool. Yeah. That was the coolest. That was the coolest thing about the movie for me personally. But I, I, I don't think I don't think Mortal Engines was like that. a great movie by any means. But I, I enjoyed it more, much more than Josh did. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? I saw Mortal Kombat Annihilation 11 times in theaters, guys. You're going to get to hear this brought up a lot in the future. Uh, it's a, one of the worst films I've ever seen, but Kid Me just ate it up. Yeah. So, you know what? I, I think this is a, Ford of to Dawn is a far better film than that, yeah. and Mortal Kombat Annihilation released in theaters. Um, so, still love that, though. Guilty. No, it's not even a guilty pleasure. I love it. But, I've yeah. I've seen a movie Mortal 11 Dawn times Man was, was theater. I've I've seen I think I was, five's the most I've ever seen. I was Mortal Kombat hysteria back then. It was crazy. Hmm. Well, different different time. I hope I hope man I I think I've heard it's on the slate in the distant future like an actual Halo theatrical film. I think Bonnie said like that's something they want to do, but not right this moment. Uh, I would love to see that. Um, it's hard because you know everyone wants something different. Yeah, I, don't, I just I feel like I, I don't care what it is. I just want it to be good. Like don't even if you don't even put Spartans in it, I don't care. Just tell me the story about a Marine. In his life, I'd be happy. You know, I still think just go with Combat Evolve story. I mean, yeah, you don't need to awesome. do Fall of Reach. You don't need to do the other stuff. Like you can do tie-in stuff if you want to with that. But you have Master Chief, who's more quiet and soft-spoken. It's going to be harder for the people to sort of get into his head. But that's why Cortana is a great yeah. sort of complement to that. So you could really do a good job of establishing that, telling the story, setting up the sense of mystery and horror of going to a Halo ring. You know, and especially when you find the flood out, that's where that film can have its tonal shift yeah. like the third act did in this, but make it even more horrifying, you know? So I feel like there's a lot of... They just know they're going to irritate a lot of fans because there's no way the film's going to be a one-to-one remake of, of the first game. Right. They're going to change things. You, you got like two, and a, two hours at most, two and a half hours, and how do you fit all that in there? I think Even you if you do it, one but, little thing off, people are going to be so angry. Like... Oh, why not? Like, like, like the movie will start and the, the uh, humanity's already aware of the flood before they're released. And yeah. they're going to be like, that ruined the whole movie, which, I mean. Yeah, I don't think it has to be tit for yeah. tat like the games because it's its own thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I get it. Well, hey, even if they incorporated elements from the flood book and, like, did that where you're seeing a lot of the other UNSC people that are going through stuff at that point in time. That could again compliment Chief. Like I just, I know some people want like the Contact Harvest story. Some people want Fall of Reach's story. Um, there's so many different stories you could tell for a film. I would, I would be most happy and most excited for uh, Combat Evolve story. Same here, man. You don't have to do every single game like as a film as a sequel, but just like have that be the starting point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So for sure. All right, Josh. Yeah. Can I go into the business. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, okay, guys. Uh, if you want to check out our website we are at sacrediconhalo.com um we have a patreon that we're up to three oh josh i need to bring up see this third guy i haven't actually met him yet but we have a third patreon and we need to mention him on here but we have a patreon we got three patrons so far we only have a one dollar tier because we just we just want to 
we're not trying to you know make a bunch of money off of this or anything we just want to have the ability for people to support us there if you throw us a dollar on patreon we will mention you on our episodes um, we're looking into adding a couple other tiers with some more benefits uh, soon enough um, we have a discord a sacred icon halo uh, on discord and Josh, why don't you uh, take it from here for a second, and I will go find the third patron user. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Guys, guess freaking what? We're everywhere out there if you want to listen to us. If you're listening to this for the first time because a buddy's saying, hey, check these guys out, and you're like, hmm, Apple Podcast, I don't use that. I use this other thing. Let us know at Sacred Icon Halo on Twitter, and we will get it out there, okay? We want to be everywhere. We want to be anywhere. Uh, we'd even like to be on YouTube, and that's something we hope to do in the future. More on that at another time. But, uh, yeah, if you guys are interested, um, definitely hit us up at uh, Sacred Icon Halo on Twitter. If you want to reach out to Brian individually and just prod his brain for thoughts or something, you can do so at Brian's Bane. If you want to chat me up uh, about anything, uh, even outside of Halo, you can do so at Jovial Joshi. Um, and, you know, there's so much stuff we got planned. Uh, we got Halo uh, Infinite coming out later this year, and there's so many things we want to do between now and then. And uh, just want to give a thank you to the community uh, for your guys' answers always on the questions. It's so much fun having those, and it is so great to interact with you guys. And this makes me, seeing all that stuff makes me personally just re-fall in love with Halo like every time I get I, Star Wars is always my main baby, but like I, I'm always every time I just get on Twitter and I see the community, I forget about Star Wars for a bit. And it's just really cool. And I really can't wait to get to the point where Halo Infinite's out because I think back to when Halo 5 came out and it was just me and a couple friends playing it. And I just felt, you know, segregated or not segregated, but just separated, isolated from the community because I wasn't really a part of it. I was just a player and I can't wait to actually go into that with a community with way more friends and it's gonna be and unreal just ride that experience together and even the hype It'll be a completely oh different experience uh halo launch experience because we're we're, we're in yeah. this we're in this wave of twitter people we're we're riding this wave to the launch and we're all going to swarm in at the same yeah. time we're all going to be you know dude releasing screenshots and gameplay and le3 we're yes, all going to be if reacting they do another like time. puzzle like they did with uh, halo 5s oh yeah dude pieces together It'd be crazy oh, oh my once god once that kicks off dude it's gonna be just nuts. thinking about it it's gonna be nuts, yeah. and, every, and everybody out there who's in content creation, everyone's just like waiting with bated breath. You know, when am I? Sorry. When am I gonna be working a second full time job? Is what they're wondering. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, right. But, uh, but yeah, thank you guys. Over to you, Brian. Oh yeah, you guys should check out our. Uh, our I'm sure you've already seen it, probably, but check out the new banner on the top of our Twitter page because it is lit. It is so cool. Brian's wife, Erica, drew that, and I. When I first saw that, I was in Brian's uh, DMs, just flipping out. Awesome. I said a lot of bad words. It's awesome. But because I was very so cool, excited. Dude. <laughs> so cool. dude, it's amazing. She does fantastic. I've never seen myself so animated and I love it. Isn't that great? It. I love you it. Love so it? Oh man. Yeah. I'm never gonna let that I was like, I would watch seven seasons of a show. <laughs> the Brian and Josh show? Just had a <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I would have to wear a Cosby sweater. Oh yeah, you would. You know, it's just one of those like terrible sweaters, like completely unrelated to Bill Cosby. But I would wear a yeah, Cosby. Yeah, sweater better clarify sure. that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Let me throw out our patron, our patrons there, uh, real quick. Um, so we have. Yeah. Um, well. Well, okay. So we have Matthew Salvatore, of course, supporting us from the very beginning. Matthew's so awesome. Lo- yeah, I love Matthew, dude. He's so, so cool. supportive. Um, now, here's what's interesting, and I, I feel like I should have said this beforehand. 
Our other patron we had last week, you said mm-hmm. his name is Abu? Abu. Okay, on yeah. Patreon, he's got a different name. Oh, okay. Um, Matt Matthias Lima. So, I don't know. I apologize if, uh, you know, I don't know why you have... <laughs> but his name's Abu, correct? Okay, yeah. so yeah. shout out to Abu, dude. You've been here for a few weeks now. Really awesome dude. Lots of good feedback. Really appreciate it. And our newest patron... I don't. I've never met him. I don't think he's in our Discord. I don't know if he's on Twitter or it could be a she for all I know. Um, yeah, it's Glass. The name is Glass, um, and they have a like a fox icon. I think. I think it's a he. I think his name might be Mark. Um, but we thank you very much, Glass, for your support on Patreon. Yeah, thank thank you so much. And and dude, if you're listening to this. Uh Definitely reach yeah. out to us. Let us know because we, we we want to give you a we'll uh, definitely talk a, a to you genuine fair shout out that you deserve. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for that. And Abu, thank you so much. Your feedback in the Discord has always been yeah. fantastic, as well as your opinions. Matthew, you have been supportive from like day one, dude, and it means so much to us. And it is so much fun interacting with you. I I cannot wait to do uh, have, have you on here with all three of us. My schedule is awful at times, but I when I'm listening to you and Brian on the oddballs, uh, dude. It's it's fantastic. I'm like I wish I was there. I feel like I'm He's there, great, man. but then if I speak out loud, other people are going to hear me at work and they they're right. going to think I'm crazy. Don't you hate it when you're? Okay. Don't you hate it? <laughs> this is I'm saying this to Josh, but I'm also saying this to everyone listening. Don't you hate it when you're at work and you're listening to a podcast and somebody tries to talk to you about something work related and you're like, shut up! Don't you realize I'm listening to a podcast right now? Like I really yeah. and then sometimes you got to like rewind like a minute because someone talked and you missed it. Yep. Oh, hate it, dude. Yep. Hate it. Yeah, I've had that happen several times where I, I got to take the earbud out of my ear, and I'm just like, "What do you? What's what up? Do you need? It's like it's like be, it's like Bjorn from uh, Desolation Smog. But orcs, I hate more. What do you need? <laughs> uh, but all right, man. Um, he looks like me after I don't shave for a week. Uh, yeah, dude, he's got some weird face hair going on in that movie. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. This has been great to reflect on Ford of the Dawn, to rewatch it, and again. Seeing all this stuff in hindsight in 2020 just helps me reappreciate it personally. I think uh, Brian loved it, I think, right away, but uh, it's great. It's great. As someone who got kind of critical there a long time ago uh, with Halo stuff, uh, more and more I come back to it and I revisit it with with an open mind. And, and I realize, like, this stuff is actually really good. If I accept it for what it is instead of what I wanted in my head, I love it. Usually you know, the I case with it. those things. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, thank you again so much, guys. He's Brian. I'm Joshua. And as always, you've been listening to the Sacred Icon Halo Podcast. Keep it sacred, guys. Peace. Peace.